there's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Texas Tech Red Raiders for the second time in three years are headed to the College World Series. Welker takes it at the 11. New routines pave the way. The 3540. He may go. 25, 10. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Welcome in, everybody, to the Talking Tech Podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation, part of the Guns Up Nation Podcast Network. I am your host, Stephen Rodriguez, my co-host, Tristan McGonigal. Tristan, how are you doing today, man? You know, we're finally getting our first bit of cold weather in, like, the first time all season. So, it's, I don't know how to act right now. Like, am I, am I preparing for it to stay chilly, or am I prepping for it to get 80 degrees again tomorrow? I don't, I'm, I'm up in the air right now. You live in Texas. It's always up and down. It's going to yeah. be 90 tomorrow, probably, while it's 55 today. It's just is what it is. There's a good chance of that. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm living my life day to day here. What about you? Oh, you know, just doing the same. Grinding, like always. Grinding. No, oh, never here. stops. Never Rick stops grandma. in the streets. Um, <laughs> the recruiting never stops for me or for Joey McGuire. Absolutely. Well, we, uh, we have plenty to talk about with that recruiting, with the looming signing day around the corner here on Wednesday. You'll probably be listening to us knowing way more than us at that point in time. So this is mostly what we know now and maybe some speculation, but there has been some news that has come up about it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, But let's start off first before we get into recruiting. Let's talk about this football staff. It's officially complete. Joey McGuire has formed his staff for his first year at Texas Tech. And I got to say, I think it's a pretty, pretty darn good one. Um, I have to agree. Yeah, dude. I mean, we already talked about Zach Kidley coming in last week, uh, and and we didn't get a chance to talk about the new defensive coordinator that is being brought on staff here, uh, and that would be Tim DeRuiter coming over from Oregon. Um, he is not following Mario Cristobal over to Miami. Instead, he decided to make his way down to West Texas uh, and return to Texas, where he has previously coached before. Um, super tenured guy. This guy has been all over the place. He's been at this for a number of years. He's bringing some much needed experience to this staff that I don't think we really had under Kit Lee and first time head coach Joey McGuire. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly. That's exactly what I was going to say. This man has been around the block. He's been a defensive coordinator at many, many schools and has even tried his hand at being a head coach as well. So experience is his resume is long. And like you said, it's good for the staff who's relatively young and is mostly built their sort of career out of the Texas high school scene, which has been the theme. So it's nice that we got a guy that's a college guy through and through. You know, you definitely need that, especially on the side of the ball of the deep uh, of defense where we definitely struggle uh, to find any sort of foundation. So it's good to see that we're going to get a guy that knows how to do it. Yeah, and I think this was crucial because of the Zach Kitley hire. You know, Kitley runs a really high-powered offense, and so you're going to need a defense that knows how to be on the field for a long time because if you're scoring as many points as Kitley and his offenses have scored in the past few years, uh, you know, you're going to need a number, uh, a right guy in there to lead the pack. And, you know, this guy's been a part of, like you mentioned, a ton of different schools as the defensive coordinator. He's been the D.C. over at Ohio, Navy, Nevada, 
Air Force, A&M, Cal, and then Oregon last year. Uh, and then now he's coming down to Texas Tech. So he's worked with a number of different offenses. Uh, I think this is a good experience guy to bring in to uh, really work with Zach Kittley and, uh, you know, just get this defense to a better spot. I know it's been improved since the Kingsbury days, but we really need something that's just more stable. And, you know, with Joey McGuire putting that emphasis on defense, you know, he's a defensive-minded guy. So I think we're going to see a much different uh, defense and a much improved defense under this regime. I mean, Joey McGuire, he said it in his opening press conference that Texas Tech is going to play defense. So I, I yeah. believe him, like I said, since he's a he is a defensive-oriented guy, seeing what his positions were at Baylor. Um, and I, I trust the hire. You know, that he hasn't seemed to have made a mistake. It's, it's, he hasn't made one where you're kind of scratching your head as to why did this happen. Um, so this this one is kind of clear as day. We saw an, open, uh, an opening with Oregon losing their head coach. So the staff kind of scatters. It's, you can you can swoop in and take your picks before he either follows Mario or uh, heads somewhere else. So I'm glad we went and got him because Oregon is not exactly a slouch of a program. And they felt mm-hmm. fielded some pretty good defenses. I mean, or at least recruited some great players to do so. So I'm really hoping to see some flips from, from Oregon's commits on the defensive side of the ball coming over to Texas Tech. And I'm wondering if that was part of the decision. But I, I'm with you, man. He's He's been around the block, like we said. He's been in Texas. So I'm happy to see him come back and, and make a difference in West Texas for once. Yeah, and I think less so these these coordinators are, you know, we, we talked about Joey McGuire coming in being this recruiter, this guy who puts an emphasis on recruiting, and he needs some coordinators now for the X's and O's parts of things. And I think he brought in two perfect candidates for that because I think Zach Kidley and Tim DeRuiter are both through and through X's and O's guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not dudes he's bringing in to recruit, to help really recruit, because he's already got that on this staff. So – uh, get a defensive-minded guy in here that knows the X's and O's and knows how to put a good team out on the field because Joey can get the players here. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second, but can we really put it together on the field because that's a whole nother part of it. So this is a good hire um, all the way through, I think. Yeah, that's an excellent point. We, we talk about how those coordinators are focused on the football game itself while everyone else is more on the, the, the backside for uh, behind the scenes, recruiting the players put on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you need at Texas Tech. And I think that's the, the best archetype for a college football coach because we've had guys that were insanely good X's and O's guys. Think about Cliff Kingsbury, who knew how to run an offense, clearly, and knew how to coach a, a quarterback. But outside of that, he wasn't a very good manager. He didn't know how to manage a college football team, and he didn't know how to recruit to the level that was needed. So I'm glad we're going in a completely different direction. We have the guys who's basically Cliff Kingsbury Jr. and an absolute defensive, experience-minded guy, uh, Deruder. So I'm glad that we have this setup. I think it's a perfect combo. So let's talk about the position coaches that he hired along with him, Some one of which came over from Oregon with Deruder, one of which we stole over from TCU. Um, that would be defensive line coach Zarnell Fitch coming over from TCU, spent the last five seasons uh, with Gary Patterson and the Horn Frogs as the defensive line coach, uh, former high school coach at Dallas Lincoln for a few years. Um, but this guy, this guy's a recruit. This is a guy that Joey brought on to be a recruiter. And he's also developed talent on that defensive line uh, over there. TCU's had a solid defensive line uh, for the number of years that Fitch has been there. So, um, you know, and and he's good at bringing in talent, not so much lesser talent, but not five-star talent and developing them into one of the better defensive lines in the country. So I think this one too is a home run hire. 
I completely agree. I like getting the in-conference opponents guy who is known, who coached under a guy known for his defense. I mean, Gary Patterson is a defensive-minded guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we got one of his prodigies over here at Texas Tech. And, you know, we keep talking about getting all these guys from DFW and with, with the, the the coaching staff connections there, we better be mopping that city up. We better yeah. be finding every hidden gem and even snatching the four stars here and there that we can because we our roots are running deep there. And it, it makes sense. Outside of Lubbock, DFW has got to be our zone. So I'm glad mm-hmm. to see us winning there with these coaches. And I'm excited to see what kind of program we can build with, with getting a lot of players from there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Lord knows we need it. So um, yes. we, we also brought on Marcel Yates. He's going to coach the secondary, the defensive backs coach, uh, kind of replacing that Derek Jones role um, over there. He has spent time at a number of places, just like DeRuiter, uh, over at Boise State. He spent a lot of years, Texas A&M, Arizona, Cal, and then Oregon last year. Uh, coming along with DeRuiter, but uh, he's coached a number of guys that have gone to the NFL uh, at all those locations that I just mentioned. And, um, you know, a, a pretty good hire from what I can tell from the Twitter sphere and from, you know, mm-hmm. talking to heads, blue check marks, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know much about him, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a little, um, at least in terms of like a motivational standpoint, it's going to be tough to replace Derek Jones. Uh, yeah. because he was a player's coach. You could tell those guys really love playing for him. So Coach Sheeta. Yeah, Coach Sheeta. You know, you know, but <laughs> I'm going to be happy not to have to deal with Derek Jones's uh, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. His Twitter got annoying at times because, you know, mm. you just open it up at 6.15 in the morning and you see just a severed head of an, <laughs> of an <laughs> antelope in like a cheetah's bloody mouth. And you're like, okay, coach, take it easy there. <laughs> we don't need to see that on my timeline. <laughs> Agreed, man. Agreed. But uh, I, it's nice getting these, uh, these Oregon guys because their head coach just got hired away to a, another program because of their success. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally cool with taking some of that success and planting it here. So I, I know it seems like Oregon fans don't seem too bummed out about him leaving, but I just looking from the results of this past season, I'm a okay with it. Yeah, yep. no, no doubt. And so with these two hires, I think this is kind of going to move Josh Bookbinder, who was previously brought on to be the secondaries coach. He's kind of he's one of those coaches that you bring on just to be a recruiter and mm-hmm. you kind of put him at a position coach just to put him there. It was kind of the same with Joey McGuire at Baylor. I mean, he was going right. to coach anywhere. He was brought in to be the recruiter. And so, you know, Josh Bookbinder is doing the same thing. So I guess he's technically going to coach the linebackers. I think DeRuiter is going to really take you know, the lead on that for the most part. But uh, yeah, that, that, that just kind of wraps up the defensive but, staff. But dude, I mean, have we ever had a Texas tech team that we can talk about? That's just full of recruiters. Cause this is just a mm. full blown mm-hmm. recruiting staff, like all in on recruiting staff. Like clearly that side of the ball, I mean, that, that side of the program is the absolute focus now. And is that what's been missing? Cause it feels like it has. Yeah, I mean, I think from previous staffs, they've just kind of accepted that we're going to have to get the underdog type guys, mm-hmm. you know, and we're just going to have to roll with them and coach them up to be what they were here at Texas Tech. And I feel like that was that's the narrative. And I feel like Joey McGuire is changing that narrative, saying, hey, we can get these same type of players that A&M in Texas and Oklahoma get. We can get these four stars, right. these five. Obviously, we're not going to get the recruiting classes that those teams get year in and year out because they have the name, they have the brand, but we, by making this 
Texas high school university, like what Joey said in his press conference, it really just adds that extra little push to some of these players and to the coaches of these high schools that are, you know, telling or are a mentor figure to these high school players and telling them, Hey, you go play with Joey McGuire, you're going to succeed. And I think that's really a good push in the right direction. Something completely opposite from what Kingsbury and Matt Wells did. Completely agree. It's been so cool to see that the Texas uh, high school coaching association all in on this yeah. staff. I like that they're picking a favorite in the state because they're, I mean, obviously uh, other programs are talking to them too, but I've just, I've never seen this happen before that this mm-hmm. is true. Like, like you said, Joe McGuire saying this is a uh, Texas high school uh, university. And I, I freaking love that, man. Like being a Texas school is so intricate and like it's such an intricate part about our identity. And it just, just seems like we've thought of ourselves as an afterthought in the high school recruiting scene, when it hasn't always been that way. Like some of yeah. our best players of all time are four stars. Mm-hmm. And, and it just kind of feels like we've kind of sunk it into this underdog attitude, which I understand we'll always kind of had, but we shouldn't be afraid to step up into a role where we do think we can compete with UT and AM and all of them on the recruiting grounds because we can. We have a lot to yeah. offer. And if you have the right coaching staff, that's what matters the most. The players want to play for these guys. And if we have our fan base behind them, that makes it even better. So it just, I don't want us to think that we have to get nothing but scrappy underdogs because we can get some winners. Look at our basketball team. Like, seriously, it's just once you accept that you can succeed, the, the sky's the limit. It's already paying dividends. I mean, we're mm-hmm. already seeing the improvement of recruits that we've gotten just under Joey McGuire. I mean, we moved from like 75 to what are we now? 40 something in the class of 2022, which isn't where you want to be. But I mean, Matt Wells didn't help that at all. It was a month. It's only been a month since he's been here. Yeah. And you're already seeing 2023 class. We have the fifth best class of 2023 right now. And yes, I know it's way early into the process, but for us to be right where we are right now, a month of Joey McGuire being head coach, that just says it all right there. So, you know, if, if we get some success on the field this season and the season's coming, that only grows with how how much of an emphasis this staff puts on recruiting. Things are changing. You know, when, like like we always say whenever uh, a program hires any coaches, that every fan base wants to believe that things are going to be different. But I think Texas Tech fans can really, really believe that things are going to be different. Am I saying we're going to be Big 12 champions immediately? No. But I think it could take solace in knowing that this coaching staff is completely different than anything we've seen, at least in, in the last decade of Texas Tech football. There's a there's focuses on things that haven't been focused on before. We're not focused on what's happening on the field only. We're focusing on what happens off the field primarily. Mm-hmm. And I just don't believe that's ever been the case. Like, like we never doubted Cliff Kingsbury's coaching ability, but he couldn't do anything off the field. And Matt Wells... I don't know if Matt Wells is particularly good at anything, honestly, <laughs> yeah. but like, I, I'm having a hard time thinking about why there was reason to believe in Matt Wells. And I know it's, it's just a hindsight thinking, you know, you know, we're not living in that, that world anymore, but I'm having a hard time thinking about what Matt Wells did better than say Joe McGuire, because I, obviously Cliff Kingsbury is a better offensive mind than Joe McGuire and Cliff Kingsbury can probably coach a quarterback better than Joe McGuire can. Obviously uh, this is kind of pre, you know, preview stuff. We don't fully know that yet, but that's not a hot take. What was Matt Wells better at? I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I just think really, for the most part, they put different emphasis on different things. Like mm-hmm. Matt Wells thought the transfer portal was the key. And, you know, he really saved his scholarships. He only got 11 high school kids each class. Like 
you can tell he really saved some to get some experienced guys from other programs that already had that college football um, just experience. So Joey instead is going straight high school and he's going to get, he's going to pick up a few of these transfers. That's the name of the game these days in college sports. But um, I really think he thinks getting them from starting from the bottom and building them up to in your program uh, is, is the way to go. And I mean, we've seen that work plenty of times. So uh, I, you know, it's nice seeing these, these recruiting classes get up, but we've, as we've seen with UT, uh, you know, recruiting classes aren't everything. They no. they have a top 10 class every single year and they don't put it together on the field. So uh, getting talent is one part of it, but building that talent and developing it is a whole nother thing. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the reasons why Texas Tech has been so comfortable accepting that underdog. We don't need the best class in the world mm-hmm. mentality is because of UT's failures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always say, yeah, maybe we have a 70 ranked recruiting class, but UT has number one and they still stink. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's just kind of like the, the, the trap we fall into, but you, you, this, the best schools still have amazing recruiting classes. Only a few mm-hmm. schools have ever gotten away with not having great recruiting classes and having great seasons. It's a very small handful of, of, of schools that have pulled it off. The only ones that come to mind are like your Kansas States under Bill Snyder's, but mm-hmm. still it's just that that's a hall of fame coach. So the recruiting still matters so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I completely endorsed the new idea of going after high school primarily because that's what the best programs do is you bring them from high school and develop them within your program. You know, you give them, you build the experience within not taking it in from with uh, from the outside. So, and I, I don't know why we ever thought, I mean, obviously it's, it's enticing to want to get the guys that have already proved on the field and have experience, but Texas Tech doesn't have to be a transfer school. We're one of the mm-hmm. biggest brands in the Lone Star State, the most po- the biggest football state in the country. There's room for us. We we should have a we should have one of the first feats within the door. The outside program should have to wait after us besides your Alabamas and stuff. So, we should stop being scared of being a bigger boy because we are. Mm-hmm. It's time. Yeah. No, I think that's a good way to put it. Um talking about recruiting, just staying on that, I guess we can kind of maneuver over to early signing day, which will be this Wednesday, December 15th. Um, I know not, not all of our 22 class is going to sign on that day, but I know a good amount of them are including uh four-star athlete, uh, Morion Horn from Broken Arrow. He's signing on uh, officially the Cedar Hill boys that Joey McGuire has recruited uh, for 2022. Sincere Massey, Jalen Peoples, Harvey Dyson, they're all signing that day. Hutt Graham is a three-star safety, and then a few others throughout the class I'm sure are going to sign. But this is a big day for Texas Tech. It's a big day for college football. Obviously, everybody gets on their teams and finally you know, gets acquainted and everything, and you get to see the caps, and you get to see their parents all happy. So um, just thought that was good to mention uh, because you know it's it's a big time in these guys' lives, and it's a big time for, for the program. It's the future. It's where you get Absolutely. to see these, these guys grow. So it's awesome, man. And it's not just those guys that I'll probably be signing. Part of the fun is you get some unexpected ones too. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing the sheer amount of hashtag let's goes being posted from Joey <laughs> McGuire's Twitter. So that, yeah. that those tweets give me a life, man. And it'll yeah. breathe some more excitement back into the program. Um, you know, obviously hiring Joe McGuire was a bit of an ejection back into the fan base, but it, this is when you really start to see the future. Like right now, yeah, you have the coaching staff, but let's start seeing the guys who will actually be on the field. So it'll be really fun to start seeing that. 
That might early signing day might be the single most optimistic day for every fan of college <laughs> football. It it might just be like everybody sees this guy and they're like, that guy could be the next friggin' Patrick Mahomes. Who yeah. knows? Like that's <laughs> like everybody's just excited about it. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So I, I guess while we are talking about recruiting and transfer talk is we do have to talk about the new reality that unfortunately has unfolded in Quinn Ewers. Yep. Um, so I'm sure if y'all I've already seen, it's pretty recent news, but Quinn Ewers has announced that he's actually going to UT instead of Texas Tech. Um, you know, towards the end, it was kind of getting I was kind of expecting this to happen. Like like we said on the last podcast it would be an upset for us to get Quinn Ewers and it would be a, a coup for us to do so. But man, it was just so good to see us in the fight to the very end. I don't care what any Longhorn or Aggie fan says about how, Oh no, it was, it was the next sex stick was never, ever in it. Come on. Like you can't just, you can't just say that whenever it comes down to two schools where no one knows. So I, I think it was awesome to see. And, you know, he's a young man. He's going to go make some money. It's, you know, he grew up a Longhorn fan. It's hard to judge him for this. But I'm just glad to see us that we we're us in the fight till the very end. What were what are your thoughts initially here? Well, I ne- I didn't let myself believe too too much that we were going to get him. I, I wasn't going to allow myself to do that. But th- listen, this isn't this is definitely not the first guy, and it's definitely not going to be the last guy we lose to UT. They are mm. the name brand of of Texas in college sports. It just is what it is. It's not any hard feelings or whatever. It's just you know we were as much in this fight as they were. We really were. And for us to even say that is something that is much better than where we were at even a year ago. So, uh, you know, if Matt Wells was still coaching here, there was no chance we would have been in this fight. So I think he really he really believed in Joey. And I think, you know, I can't speak for him, but he a lot. His family didn't really leak anything uh, until he chose Texas ultimately. But, you know, he was committed to Texas before he went to Ohio State for NIL purposes. So, right. you know, the fact that we this came down so close is a win of in of itself. You know, I'm not going to be that guy that's saying like, hey, we won, you know, we lost, but Poor we won. Well. Yeah, like, I, I just think some of the reactions were a little intense uh, on Twitter from, from both, obviously from UT talking mess and then from Texas tech fans being like, you know, the sad Texas tech fans that are never going to be happy with anything saying, Oh my God, here we go again. Texas tech can't get the guy. And I, I don't know. I just don't think I, I, if our QB room wasn't so good already, I would be more upset, yeah. but I think we got three guys right now that are, more than capable of putting together a lot of wins in one individual season, leading at the quarterback helm uh, in Tyler Shuck, Donovan Smith, and Baron Morton, whatever guy. Uh, I would if I would have been much more upset not getting yours if if <laughs> if we didn't have those three. Our quarterback room is so good that we don't know who's going to be starting next season. That that's yeah. how, and I mean that in a good way. Is we have three studs they're going to be battling out for that starting position under Zach Kitley's new system. And I think that's just going to want so many quarterbacks are going to want to play at Texas tech under Kitley's system. I, I, I believe that um, with the numbers they're going to be putting up and just, you know, lighting up ESPN's top, top 10 plays and all that. So and that's going to happen. And I think these three guys can make that happen. Uh, but, but this is about Quinn Ewers right now. Um, and this just kind of brings us back to why we hired Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire got us in the room. He got us through the door of Quinn Ewers to the final two schools. Um, and we were, just, he was, we were all talking about how there's no reason how Texas tech shouldn't at least 
be able to get through the door of these top recruits within the state of Texas. There's no reason not to. So I, I'm just glad to see that we're back in the sense that we are going to be a player in recruiting again. And I know you you're, you're, you started this out with making the clear fact that UT is going to beat us in these recruiting battles, but they're probably they're going to beat us in more recruiting battles than not. But yes, they just are. Texas Tech is going to beat UT in other battles as well. And that was not going to happen under Matt Wells. I do think we're going to snag some from UT because it's, it's going to happen. It, it, UT doesn't get literally everyone. So yeah. and whenever you have a coach that's as attractive as Joey McGuire, it's you're going to start winning these some of these some of these battles, maybe ones that matter a ton too. So I think this is good news. Like you said, I don't want to make it a moral battle or anything like that, but I, I do love how this came down to the final. And I, I think it did kind of get under some Aggie skin, get under some Longhorn skin. And it was this close because they had to back up the freaking boat for this kid. They, they, oh, yeah. they basically gave him a coaching salary. If the rumors are true, just to get him over little old Texas tech. Try telling that to somebody 10, 20 years ago, they would never believe you. Yeah. And I don't think this was strictly like NIL, you know, he chose the money. Cause I think Texas tech was involved with some, with some right. NIL related deals as well. Uh, probably some up there, maybe not mm-hmm. $4 million or whatever the rumor was, but uh, definitely up there. So uh, that kid was going to get a lot of money wherever he yeah. went because you know, he is who he is, but um, I, I just, point. you know, I just kind of want to, I, I want to bring it back to the, to the quarterback room that we currently have, because I am really excited for these three guys. And like you mentioned with Zach Kidley's offense, I think they can really thrive. Did you have a guy in mind? Because I was kind of thinking about this today. Uh, who who do you want to see next season as the day one starter? And obviously, a lot, we have a lot of time until then. But just right now, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah, it's going to be the, the hottest offseason talk whenever it comes yeah. to who's playing on the field. Surprise, it's the quarterback position. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think the clear answer is Jet Duffy. <laughs> um, he has a year of eligibility back <laughs> and he's going to come and do the comeback. So Jed Duffy transferring back from wherever he's at right now, back to Mr. Texas football, 20, like 16 or something. Never forget, <laughs> man. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I, it's a, that's a really tough question because it's, it's hard for me to say, um, for some reason, my gut really wants to see Baron Morton on the field now. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why is because he's been I've, – I've bought into the sales pitch since his recruitment that he was going to be our golden boy. He was going to be the, the West Texas chosen one from Abilene, you know, coming in and this four-star recruit, the best recruit since Graham Harrell. I think we all were kind of just expecting the next coming of a Graham Harrell or Patrick Mahomes. So I, for, in my head, in my heart, it says Baron Morton's going to need to start getting some more attention. Um, a lot of leave because I wanted him to stay on the team, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, my, my body says Baron Morton. What about you? Uh, you know, I, I went back and forth with it all day today. I was like, because I was just thinking about what quarterback do I want to see? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen Donovan Smith and Tyler Shuck. We've seen right. what the, uh, at least glimpses of what they can do. Um, and then it brought me back to what Zach Kittley is going to bring to the table and what he's done in the previous years. He's had a quarterback like Bailey Zappi, where he's been able to throw nearly 60 times a game. Um, and I think if you're going to fit that offense, if you're going to throw a ton, uh, I think probably either Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton is at the top of the list yeah. right there. And that is not a knock on Donovan Smith. I think Donovan Smith is, is a really good quarterback and has a lot of potential, but uh, you know, you really have to incorporate that running game. And that's something we haven't really seen in a Zach Kittley offense yet. 
Um, but, and, and just the prospect of Baron Morton just gets you hyped up because you're like, okay, here's this guy could be the, what you want at Texas tech. You want the West Texas recruit coming in. That's going to sling the ball a lot that has the ability to do a bunch of different things on the field. Um, and obviously we just haven't seen that yet. So, um, I I'm excited. I think it's going to come down really to what Tyler Shuck ultimately decides to do and whether that's, you know, come back because I could definitely see him even with this quarterback room right now, transferring out and trying to find a little less competition Um, because, you know, he's an older guy. He's been in college football now for a while. He just, he wants to play, but ultimately I I, I guess right now I would say uh, I'd want to see Baron Morton starting next year because I think a full off season of him getting reps with the ones uh, I think it could do a lot for him. Um, and I think he's got kind of the highest ceiling of all three yeah. of these guys. Yeah, that, that's 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 what keeps popping up in my head is the potential and mm-hmm. the, the hype around the kid. And I like that you brought up that, you know, he's the West Texas kid. You know, we, it's always we were talking about with the Sam Ellingers and the Quinn Ewers, how they grow up Longhorn fans. But this four star recruit from West Texas grew up a Red Raider fan. And yeah. it's just it's it's those are great stories. And it just shows that we have those kids, too. We have kids that grow up in Texas and want to play for the double T, too. So mm-hmm. I just I want to see that prophecy come to the light. But at the end of the day, I want the kid that's going to win us the most games. I want the best quarterback playing. So whether it's him or not, it's it's obviously going to come down to what Zach Kitley sees in, during practice. But I, I have a lot of hope that it's Baron Morton. And you know what I really want is just one healthy quarterback season. That's what I want. We haven't yes. had a health. We Please. haven't had a. We haven't had a player, a quarterback, start the beginning of the season and make it through the entire season since Nick Shimanek. And even Nick Shimanek got benched. Yeah, there at the end there in 2017. But Nick Shimanek played pretty. He started every game until the very last game, and it wasn't due to injury. It was it was due to trying something different. Uh, after him not doing so well. Um, but I mean, think about it. The year after Shimanek, it was, it was that year where we had uh, McLean Carter starting. He got hurt first game of the season. Alan Bowman comes in, then eventually he gets hurt and we're playing Jed Duffy. Next season, we're starting Bowman. He's our guy. Boom, gets hurt immediately, Jed Duffy, once again. And then the next season, Alan Bowman. How about number three, 2020? <laughs> Come on, this is the COVID year. Please. He gets hurt again, Henry Columbia for half the season, and then back to Bowman. And then this past season, Tyler Shuck's the guy. He's going to do it. First Big 12 game of the year, breaks his freaking collarbone, and we have to go through a multitude of quarterbacks. I just want one healthy season for one Texas Tech quarterback. We haven't had that since 2017. I'm so tired of UT knocking out our quarterbacks with injuries. (laughs) I'm so sick of it. Cut it out. Remember our freshman year whenever Patrick Mahomes was about to stunt on the horns and then they yeah. knocked him out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as a, a true freshman. In in oh the fa- in the infamous Vinny Testaverde, the <laughs> second game. Uh oh Lord, that one was oh, bad. God, no, <laughs> I'm with you, man. Who knows what the season would have looked like had Chuck been healthy the entire year? Um, but it's it's hard to it's hard to dwell on that now, but I'm with you. Hopefully. Hopefully we have an O-line that can protect our fellows yeah. too. And that, so. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that's something McGuire's put a big, big emphasis on. He's mm-hmm. recruiting a ton of O-line because he knows that's the position that needs to be approved the most. Yes. It was brutal last season. And we have a new O-line coach in Stephen Hamby. I'm excited. I think he's going to bring a little bit of a ferocity that we yeah, lacked. An edge. Uh, yeah, an edge from these past couple of years. So 
there's a lot to be excited about ultimately with Texas Tech football. Uh, look out for signing day. It's going to be a big day for Red Raider Nation, for Joey McGuire. Just a, a day to be optimistic. So, you know, you always love those. No doubt. I mean, we're, we're talking about which quarterback you want to start next season, but who do you think is going to play in the bowl game? You think it's going to be Smith? I don't know. I don't know. If, if Shuck's healthy, I feel like he needs to play. But if also, you know, I, I'd like to see Barrett Morton. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, this bowl game is such like, it's, it's not a throwaway, but it's also like half your coaching staff is gone. Sonny yeah. Cumby is coming back. To coach the bowl game, even so though is, he's uh, already going to be so is Patterson, I think. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think Patterson's coming back. I think he is I think, okay. If he does, I see we don't even know. That's the thing. You're if right. You're right. You're know, right. We uh, some of these players, like I, I don't know if we. I'm, I would be happy. It's with kind anything. of a throwaway. It's, it's kind of a, a it's kind of a throwaway. And of course, it's the one game where we're playing Mike Leach too. I know. So I know. It's, I, it's, I know we sound just like SEC fans saying that this bowl game doesn't matter, but oh my God, man, like literally no one on this staff that's going to be coaching this bowl game will be there next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, not that, really fair. DeAndre Smith will be here. How about that? DeAndre but, Smith. That's true. Running backs coach coming back. But to Sonny Cummings credit, I, I don't think he's acting like this is just a throwaway. I'm sure he's going to no, try to no. coach his heart out. Um, for his players, for his alma mater, I still think he mad. He thinks it matters, but um, well, and it's, you it's, you do it for the seniors too. You do yeah. it for Colin Schooler. You do it for Rico Jeppers. You give these guys a good game to end end their careers on mm-hmm. because they're not coming back. But so they're it, not coming back to college football. So right, and but but also you got to keep in mind, even even though Sonny Cummings is going to be doing his best, his mind is also going to all going to be in Ruston, Louisiana this this, this next few weeks as well. And that's mm-hmm. not a, that's not a knock on on him at all. It's his new. He's a new. He's a head coach for the first time in a major uh, football. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, major. I mean, it's group of five. Still matters. Um, I, I just don't <laughs> want people to come at me going, "Call losing a tech major." But it's uh, <laughs> but you know, y'all know, y'all get what I'm saying. So yeah. it's just it's going to be interesting, and it's kind of a interesting bowl game situation that I don't think we've ever seen ourselves in. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely preview that game coming up uh, starting next week when we kind of know who who all is yeah. actually going to be here That's and who's true. you know getting first team reps. I'm sure those uh, those notes will start coming out. Um, here next week, but that's going to be I think the 28th is when we play them. So we still got a little bit. Um, let's talk basketball. Let's talk a little basketball. Um, we got a big win here uh, this Perfect. past week. Are you talking about ranked? Texas Tech University? Are you talking about I'm, a ranked Texas Tech University basketball team? I'm talking about a one month into the season, Mark Adams coach, Texas Tech team, already ranked <laughs> in the top 25. Uh, everybody thought, oh, Beard's gone. Texas Tech, going to take End a End of Texas Tech basketball. Going to take a real major hit. Chris Beard's gone. Oh, hey, we're ranked in the top 25 a month into the season. How about that? How about a top 15 win in the biggest basketball center in the world, sir? How about that? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I well, okay. So <laughs> um, the Tennessee game was uh, the, the result. Fantastic. Love, <laughs> yeah. love, love to get a win over uh, the, the 13th ranked team in the country. I'll take that all day at Madison Square Garden, the Jimmy V Classic, great atmosphere, all that sort of stuff. Um, this might have been the worst basketball game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this was just poor shooting, the, the poorest of shooting I think I've seen in a long, long time. 
uh, from bo- just both sides, just bricks. I mean, it was brick <laughs> city out there in MSG. And it was the same thing with the game after. So I don't know if it was the rims or whatever, but Villanova and uh, Syracuse played immediately after. And both of them shot like crap in that game too. So I don't know if there was just some weird juju going on, but uh, ultimately uh, a lot of bad offense in this game and a lot of good defense in this game from both sides, but we pulled it out. We won a nail biter, uh, a close game in a top 15 matchup. I'll take it. Ugly wins are still wins. And this Tennessee volunteer team is good. They're definitely going to be running for that SEC title. So it's that you take these all day. They look so good for your resume in March. Um, and you know, sure it was an ugly shooting game, but these defenses weren't messing around either. These, no, these no. we're talking about a Mark Adams, no middle defense, sir. Mm-hmm. And this Tennessee team is not exactly slash on that side of the ball either. So it's no the score is kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, it's it kind of bodes well for the way I see us locking down other opponents in the future. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, let's let's just Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech won this game, by the way. They shot thirty-one percent from the field and sixteen point seven percent from the three-point line. Uh, Tennessee shot twenty-six point eight percent from the field uh, and fifteen percent from the three-point line. Um, <laughs> so that was the good, though, for Texas Tech was the defense. The having four to five six foot six guys on the court at all times is just an absolute nightmare for opposing offenses. I mean, Tennessee, you couldn't tell their smaller guards just didn't know what the hell to do. When you got Kevin McCullers right in your grill, you got Terrence <laughs> Shannon right in your grill. You got Davion Warren. Oh, you're switched off. Oh, here's Bryson Williams. Oh, you're switched off again. Here's Malik Wilson. Like we have guys that can guard every position in on the floor at all times. And uh, then, you know, you put on top of it, the six foot 11 uh, phenom coming out of nowhere, <laughs> Daniel friggin' Bacho. When do we overreact to over Daniel Bacho? When do we, when are we allowed to overreact? We can do that right now. Let's talk about <laughs> another good part of this game. Daniel Bacho is, has come out of nowhere. I mean, truly this guy played, I think 27 minutes in this mm-hmm. game and he was the difference. I mean, this guy from just his, his, presence down low being as tall as he is the timing that he has on these rebounds how strong he is with everything you know we've seen these big guys come through texas tech that just aren't very skilled they just don't some of them don't even know how to freaking run without tripping over their feet and then you get this guy coming in who was a phenomenal uh you know youth basketball guy he was an under 17 star over there in in france and he comes over here and it's like he doesn't skip a beat. And he plays with this kind of tenacity that you really want from a young mm. big dude. And uh, he's altering shots. He's blocking shots. He's grabbing rebounds. He's keeping them. He's diving on the floor. Yeah, he's, getting, he's not afraid to dive. Yeah, he's getting in a cage match with the freaking Slavic guy from Tennessee. I mean, <laughs> he's out here uh, and he's been an absolute surprise. When was the last time we had a, a a tall man like him just just come in and, and make some noise? And he got he nearly out rebounded everyone except except for TJ. So the dude was out here. He out rebounded everyone on Tennessee. So, mm-hmm. dude, it's time to overreact and join the Bacho Hive. Yeah, him and him and Shannon were really the stars of this game. They Jared really Shannon, uh, offensively, especially in overtime, really mm-hmm. made it work. Hit hit a lot of big shots there in OT. Uh, and he's just, you know, he's Terrence Shannon. He's an NBA player. He's fantastic. Um, 
The yeah. last good, yeah, the last good thing I had for Texas Tech was just the rebounding edge, as, as we've just talked about it. But uh, 54 to 47, we win the rebounding battle. Uh, three separate guys getting in double digits in McCuller, Bacho, and, and Shannon. Um, and even Kevin O'Banner only had seven rebounds, but that dude was grinding the entire mm-hmm. game. His box outs, I mean, he he led the way for McCuller and for Shannon to get all the rebounds that they did. So just a shout out to, to Kevin O'Banner. He was crucial in this one. Absolutely. It just, it, it was a great team win. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, like we, like you said, that TJ kind of came out and did some hero ball to win in the overtime, but I mean, that's what you want out of your best players. We, we were complaining about it the, the game before, whenever he was shooting those absurd threes and kind of lost this game in the hero ball, but it was nice to see him rein it in and actually go and win it for us. So, but you're right, dude, the boards and the defense, it just, that was what got us the game because it wasn't the offense. It just an amazing night in MSG, ugly to watch, but the results will take all day. Yeah, and, and I mean, we are we are positive and we're optimistic on this podcast, and it was a great win, a mm-hmm. solid resume builder, but there's a lot that this team still needs to work on to get to the point where we need to be. Offensively, it was a nightmare to watch for Texas Tech for the most part. I mean, we had our moments, but uh, there's some serious stuff that needs to be fixed because these zone defenses are just absolutely murdering us. Uh, and, you know, Providence did it in the previous game. Tennessee did it about halfway through the first half, and we just – we just don't have an answer because we need to figure out our half court offense. Um, there's no off ball movement. There's just a bunch of ball stoppers on this team. And that's not a good thing. If you're trying to break a zone, um, you know, McCuller or Shannon or Wilson or whoever's Warren, whoever's bringing up the ball. It seemed like they just kind of dribbled up top of the key for the first 20 seconds of the shot clock while O'Banner or Bacho or Williams or somebody's trying to set a screen and it's just not working. And it's like, mm-hmm. guys, you break a zone by just constantly moving the ball, passing across the perimeter, and uh, we just didn't do that. And uh, Mark Adams needs to really get get a grip on uh, on our offense. And Barrett Peary, you know, this offensive genius that we brought in, uh, you know, we need to figure out these zone defenses because they're absolutely killing us. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's what lost the pro- lost us the Providence game, the offense. Yeah. So, like you said, we just couldn't get through his own defense. And the thing is, is if it's working against us, more and more teams are going to do it, and more and more teams are going to do it for an extended period of time. So mm-hmm. we better we better freaking freak it, figure it out. I'm sure we will um, because we do have – wait, we do have one more tune-up game, right? Or, do, or yeah, 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 yeah. We play we play Arkansas State here tomorrow on Tuesday um before the gonzaga game before it gets real uh, yeah before it gets super real i mean tennessee is a great test providence is even a really good team but uh gonzaga is a top five team in the nation um and we're gonna have to really figure it out because this team is just it's it's not it doesn't have the shooters to mm-hmm. do what we did against providence and tennessee you know we just settled for a ton of three-point shots ton of long range you know off balance fadeaway jumpers and it's just not it's not you need to get to the bucket with this team. You need to get in transition. Uh, and obviously that starts with defense. But um, man, uh, just two McCuller plays I had in mind that he was the key kind of uh on breaking the zone defense. I saw he did some things in there uh that really led to some easy baskets. And he had one where he was he started on the uh perimeter over there on the left side, cut inside to the free throw line, real quick pass from Shannon faked it out to O'Banner from three and just shot the easy mid-range jumper free throw line wide open. And it's like, why, why can't, why, why haven't we been doing this? What's going on? And then in overtime, he had another good one where we pass the ball around the perimeter three or four times. And then boom, he gets the ball. The, the Tennessee defender gets in there late. He drives in the lane, dumps it off to Warren for an easy dunk. I mean, it's just like Kevin McCuller, I think is the key 
to kind of figuring this thing out and figuring out zone defenses. So what you're saying is, is the Womble Center better be wearing the hell out of that tape of yes. those plays. Yes. <laughs> Mark, Ad- Mark Adams needs to look at those two plays and be like, hey, do that every time. <laughs> Looking at the, we're we're putting up on those uh, wraparound video boards in the practice gym yeah, at all yeah. times, all so. times. Just those two plays. Hey, let's keep doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to see us, you know, tune up again in in the in the uh, USA. Then uh, yeah. Arkansas State, they're seven and two. So yeah. obviously, we can't just sleep sleep on this team, but uh, we definitely need to figure out some offense before we head to Gonzaga. So I hope we see some more of it uh, in the USA tomorrow night, seven p.m. Yeah, you know, we uh, we are playing Arkansas State here, and then I think, what, four, four days, and then we'll play Gonzaga. Gonzaga had one of their games canceled against Washington due to COVID reasons, so they're going to have nine days off before they play us, which I don't think is a good thing No, um, for them. I think they're going to be a little rusty. You know, they're expecting to play this game, and then they have to go to a neutral site floor and play us, who, you know, we still have enough rest. We have four days in between, but – um, you know, I think they'll come out hopefully a little rusty, but um, let's talk about Gonzaga. Let's let's get right to the preview because this is a top 25 matchup, baby. Texas Tech, 25th in the nation. Gonzaga, number five in the nation. Uh, it's going to be we noon back. noon on CBS this Saturday, uh, December 18th. Uh, we're playing neutral site, like I said, in uh, Phoenix at the Footprint Center. Um, Gonzaga, if you haven't been paying attention, is very good. <laughs> they are eight and two on the year. Uh, they play probably the hardest schedule uh, so far in college basketball. Uh, they beat uh, Chris Beard's Longhorns. They beat uh, the Damn. at at the time number two ranked UCLA. But they've also lost a couple. Um, one to Duke, who is currently, I believe, number two in the country, uh, and then Alabama, who is a top ten team in the country. Uh, they have wins over both Gonzaga and Houston. Um, now, so Alabama is a very good team. Gonzaga is a very good team. Uh, you know, this is, this is going to be a big time matchup for us. Absolutely. Y'all thought you had your Saturdays back wrong, <laughs> wrong. The good, the good news is this team you're watching on Saturday is ranked and a little better. All right. So it's, yes, it's not like tuning into our football team. So I'm really excited about that. Happy to see us on, uh, on main cable that day. Uh, mm-hmm. in front of everybody again, like the MSG game was. That's where we thrive. That's where mm-hmm. we win. So I'm excited to see us do it again, man. Uh, it's a tough matchup. And, hey, we said if we go into this in one and two overall out of these three tough games, we're pretty happy. We got that win. But what the heck? Let's go get two and one, all right? And let's, over the best one. Let's mess around and beat a top five team in the country on Saturday. Let's, uh, let's, let's just mess around <laughs> just mess around. Uh, let's talk about Gonzaga, um, players to watch drew Timmy, obviously, um, uh, they're big down low. He's averaging 18 points a game, six rebounds, um, great feet, great hands, great finishing ability all around. He's just a really good big man. I mean, he's a, he's a player of the year, uh, candidate for sure. Um, Chet Holmgren, the freshman phenom, uh, seven foot two, uh, or seven foot one, some, some in that area. Uh, he's all Theon's better. Yeah, Bacho's better, but you know they'll they'll figure that out on Saturday. But uh, no, I mean this guy, thirteen and a half points a game, eight rebounds. He's averaging almost four blocks a game, uh, Holmgren, which is a stat that blew my mind because that's clearly the best I think in college basketball right now. Um, but he can also do everything. He's a great rim runner. He can shoot the hell out of the rock, and I mean he's got great timing on everything, blocks, rebounds. So. Uh, these two guys dealing with them down low is going to be a handful. 
is Gonzaga more of a, a balanced team? Or are they more offensive or defensive oriented? They're balanced. They're balanced, but they're definitely a high-powered offense for sure. Um, I, I mean, you don't get to be a top-five team in the country and not be balanced. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mark Few puts a good team on the floor every single year, and this is no different, and he's got the talent to do it. Um, I that, think that that's good that they're high-powered offense because we don't exactly have any offense to just keep up with the scoring like that. So I'm no. glad that our counter – is stopping them from doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're always going to get that on Mark Adams team. You're going to mm-hmm. get a defensive slugfest, hopefully every night. And then hopefully our offense improves yeah. from, uh, <laughs> from what we've seen, uh, because I don't think Gonzaga is going to be switching over to his own. I think they think they're good enough. They have the players to play it straight up and, you know, we need to take advantage of that, but I could be wrong. You know, who get Mark few could just pull something out and just be like, Hey, Providence and Tennessee did a pretty good job with the zone. Why don't we try it? Um, but yeah, I mean, the two big guys down low are, are definitely the first first you have to take care of. Uh, and then they have, you know, uh, uh, the best, probably one of the best starting fives in the entire league. Um, two forwards there on the uh, on the wings, Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton, who we're familiar with. He was at Iowa State last year. Uh, probably the only good thing about that Iowa State team was Rasir <laughs> Bolton uh, last year. But both of them are lights out shooters. They're, 40, they're both shooting about 41% from the three-point line. So you're, you're you're talking about this Bolton guy leaving Iowa State, and then Iowa State's ten and zero. Is that well, a, is that a coincidence? A least? lot went into that. A lot went into that. They, <laughs> they, they got rid of Steve Prome. That's the biggest part of Iowa State's resurgence here. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Mr. Bolton. No, I mean Bolton's good in of itself. He was the only guy that could do anything on that team last year. So, uh, but when you when you're coached poorly, you know you're not going to win a lot of games. But um, he's definitely showing that he can he can be a solid piece for this Gonzaga team. Uh, when the big guys don't have it down low, they pass it out. And these guys usually are, are knocking them down from three. Uh, they have a good point guard in Andrew Nemhard. He's a Florida transfer. So he's been in big games. Uh, uh, he He's kind of, he's, he's the facilitator on this team. He's averaging about 10 points a game, but five assists a game is where he makes his money. Getting it down low, feeding good passes into Timmy uh, in the post and, and letting them work. So he's also got 15 steals on the year. So he's a pretty good defender. Well, man, I, this is absolutely the biggest game of the year, uh, at least in the preseason for sure. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's just so cool to see us go up against a brand like Gonzaga, a team just mm-hmm. so good like Gonzaga, because it's just cool seeing us establish ourselves with schedules like that. Like we just went against the Tennessee Volunteers, who are a great squad yeah. as well. Um, so I'm just happy to see that, you know, Mark Adams, like he said in his press conferences, we're not going anywhere. This is this. This is going to be tough basketball. We're going to play tough basketball. So I have all the all the confidence in the world that we're going to make it a good game. Even win or lose, I don't see a blowout happening. So I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, after starting the season against six straight cupcakes, it's just yeah. nice to get some of these significant teams you're playing uh, here on the schedule and getting your team prepared for Big 12 play because Big 12 play oh is a freaking every night, man. It's not easy. I mean, <laughs> no. even even when you're looking at the bottom teams in this conference, Kansas State's and Oklahoma State's, like these are still good, solid teams, mm-hmm. and they're going to be you know a struggle to. It's it's going to be a game, you know. So um, and then not even mentioning the number one team in the country in Baylor, uh, defending uh. national champs, and then Kansas and Texas and Iowa State, who's freaking undefeated out of nowhere. So <laughs> it's it's every year, man, with the Big 12. It's crazy. That's what's so fun about it, though. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. So uh, looking forward to Gonzaga. It's gonna, it's a massive game. If we can get a, a top five win on the resume and beat a team that Chris Beard has already lost to, whoo, whoo, tasty. that would be great. Yeah, That would be tasty. tasty. 
That would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's all I had on Gonzaga. Look forward to it. Um, limit the second chance opportunities. Please keep doing your thing with the rebounding. Uh, hopefully we can knock down a few more shots uh, and not <laughs> yeah, please uh, not look like that Tennessee game because that's not going to be Gonzaga. That'll be hey, Tennessee. Hey, hey, hey. If it, I'm, I'm all for another ugly Tennessee game if it means the same results. I, absolutely. I'll do that every <laughs> night if we win the game. But I, I'm I cool mean, with Gonzaga missing 50% of their free throws. So I think, I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee went five for 40 from three point range. Just yeah, six stupid. for 40, sir. Well, what, six for 40. St- yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize to all the Tennessee fans out there. Uh, six for 40 from three. <laughs> that they game refused was stupid. to stop shooting the three. They, but they refused to stop shooting it. But the, here's my thing. They had decent looks. Like they mm-hmm. had much better looks than what we had. They just missed everything and then you know the the what what was the story you know the the play that summed up the game was the Tennessee guy getting on the break and <laughs> completely blowing the dunk slash layup I think he kind of got hurt a little bit on that mm. play he said he hyperextended the knee so you know hopefully he'll be all right but man that's just pure comedy good save, good save. It's, it's pure <laughs> comedy seeing a guy yeah, go absolutely. up for a dunk and completely blow it yeah that, it really summed up the whole game yeah, for sure. So hopefully uh, we won't be seeing uh, much of that in the Gonzaga-Texas Tech game coming up. But, um, man, let's uh, let's kind of get off to uh, the ender of this pod. I did, before we get to Song of the Week, I wanted to give a shout-out to our friends Kathleen and Philip. Uh, just got married this past weekend. We were both there. It was a great time. The reception was beautiful. Church was beautiful. Uh, I know Philip listens to the pod pretty consistently. So uh, shout out to you, man. Uh, keep on listening and uh, congratulations. Two proud Red Raiders. No doubt. No doubt. Good people through and through. So wanted to give that shout out. Uh, let's do song of the week. Tristan, go ahead. All right. For mine, I'm going to stick with my kind of jazzy country blues I've been rolling with lately. I'm going with a, a guy called Ron Pope. A lot of people will know him from his more poppy alternative days, but he's moved to Nashville and just leaned into country music. And I've really dug his stuff. He kind of brings an, uh, a jazzy, bluesy country edge to his music. It's like edgy country blues jazz music. It's cool. Oh. But the song I'm going with is Texas Wildflower Honey. And it's just a jazzy country, smooth as honey song. Because he's got the, the, the trumpets and the saxophone behind him while he's he's playing his country music. It's, it's, it's just a smooth slow jam about comparing a woman to texas wildflower honey so it's it's a good one right on man you know i'm all about the jazzy the bluesy the country i mean uh, my my song of the week is going to be just like that it's going to be uh uh from a band that i mentioned last week uh, they opened up for Chris Stapleton uh, when I went just a, a week ago. Uh, it's called the Marcus King Band, and they are uh, they had a trumpeter and they had a saxophonist there out on stage. So, I mean, they like to genre bend a lot and, uh, you know, rocky vibes, jazzy vibes, country vibes. It was, it was great. So my song of the week by the Marcus King Band is going to be Rita is Gone. Uh, so far of the few songs I've listened to by them, it's my favorite. Uh, super jazzy, super just, I mean, smooth as heck. Uh, he's got a great voice. Uh, would really recommend it. That was um, Rita is Gone by the Marcus King Band. Rita is gone. She ain't coming back in your lifetime. 
looking forward to hearing it. I mean, you just you've done your whole concert lineup. I guess next week you got to do a Chris Staples song. I've done Chris Stapleton before. I, I can't do another one. I've, 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 <laughs> the people know how much I like Chris Stapleton. It doesn't need to. I'll, I'll switch it up next week. We'll probably do some Christmas songs next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, man. I mean, if you had anything else, I think that's it for us. I think that'll do. Right on, man. Well, let's end it off with some plugs like we always do. You can follow both me and Tristan on Twitter. Tristan is at Tristy Mick. I'm at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez. Follow the pod on Twitter. We're at about 1,200 followers. We appreciate that. All the love from y'all that is at talking tech pod. Uh, if you will uh, like rate review, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple pod, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, follow our songs of the week playlist. They are on Spotify and Apple music. Um, and man, that's going to do it. We're going to end it off. Like we always do. Always wreck tech. Wreck tech. Uh, wow. First of all, uh, got a lot of respect for Stephen and Tristan. Uh, Their program, tough guys, just uh, a lot of fun. I love the game of basketball, but also love West Texas. And I love Stephen and Tristan. I'm extremely proud. I don't know where we go from here. I think I'm just going to sit back down. It's just not getting better than this. I would like to thank uh, Stephen and Tristan. This is incredible. These guys have a passion and a love for this school. Ready?